0: Greetings, bleeding hearts, and a welcome to The Just Joy with Jordan, your place for conversations on all things social justice and radical joy. Today, we're talking about the state of the world and getting clear on the state of our place in it. Let's dive in. ago I smelled smoke. I thought it was a stroke, but the roof, the roof was quite literally about to be on fire. From a moment of inanity to a moment of panic, everything changed in a matter of seconds. Suddenly, everyone at my parents' house was acting on our base's fears, traits, and communication styles. My father, the colonel, wanted to direct. My mother, the manager, wanted to calmly get the fuck out. I, the bleeding heart, wanted to save everyone. What followed was a comical look at the way we react under duress. I called 911, then my father called 911 approximately 40 seconds after I did, right next to me. I could hear my dispatcher talking to my father's dispatcher, telling them to hang up with him because they are on the phone with me. Well, my very reactive dog was freaking out. My dad put him outside. If he'd followed that thought, he'd realize that's not the best place for a dog to go when a house might be on fire. But if we were being truly attentive, we would have noticed my mom stealthily, gathering all of the important documents her Birken bag and calmly walking out the front door to wait at the neighbors I ran after the dog while cradling the phone the dispatcher was telling me to carry him out but he was a reactive dog an 80 year old man in a dog's body Amos quickly let me know that wasn't happening I couldn't find his leash out of the corner of my eye. I see my father trying to get back up the stairs to inspect the situation. I'm running behind him, wondering where my mother is, and tugging my curmudgeonly dog this way and that. The police show up first. The cop asks my dad where the breaker box is, then tells us we need to get out of the house. As we get to the garage, I'm sure. It's to walk out of the house. The cop finds the breaker box. I hear the firefighters arrive. Agnes and I are at the garage door waiting for my dad to hit the button on the way out. But my dad decides to about face back inside with the cops and the firefighters to show them where they need to go. Could they have found it without him? Probably, but that's not the point. Eventually, he makes his way back outside. I put Amos in my car with the AC on. A neighbor on a bike rides by and asks me if I know what's going on. I tell her in a panic that I smelt-spoke when my dad was very sick, decided to act like Amanda. My mother disappeared and my dog is scared. Oh, I was only asking so I can get through. I ride this way every day. Stunned at the apathy, I watch as the firefighters put out the fire. They bring in industrial-sized fans and open the doors to get the smoke out. The cops clear the frenzy of neighbors surrounding our house. Eventually, the day fades to dusk, and with it, the panic, crowds, and emotions dissipate. <sighs> we return back to the house and get on with living. I've thought a lot about how that situation, which is framed in comedy when retold to family and friends, reminds me of the world right now. The world is on fire. We've watched the apathy. We've watched the hate. We've seen how quickly once believed solid systems can devolve. We've seen just how quickly things can take a turn for the worse. Vulnerable communities are under attack in ways we have not seen in generations. People are still confusing selfishness for freedom and a public health crisis. Children are scared. We are all tired. The Earth's core is heating up. There are killer hornets. The bees are dwindling. The butterflies are too. There are billionaires having pissing contests in the Earth's orbit. Will Smith still hasn't won an Oscar. We are all pretending things are back to normal why they are distinctly not we are so good at pretending everyone is out of everything we are all so tired corporations are telling us mission accomplished teachers are tired healthcare workers are tired we are all so fucking tired and the world keeps burning but that's not the full picture is it there are firefighters, there are good neighbors, there are quiet acts of kindness happening around us, to us, and through us every day. There is patience, there is advocacy, there are new opportunities being made by women, queer siblings, and by POC every day to become the first judge or the first council person with their identity. There are solutions to our problems being drafted by kids, right now. There are people leaving abusive relationships. There are older women learning to build a life just for them. There's therapy. There's so much therapy. There's meditation and TikTok and hiking. There are so many avenues being open to us to heal, to hope again. The world is on fire. But if we all took responsibility for a piece of it, if we all took up our role and ran with it, then we can push it back. We could even put it out. For being honest, the truth is the world has always been on fire. Depending on who you ask, some of us have the burns to prove it. It's not our job to be surprised by it, it's our job to respond, extinguish, and prevent it from growing again. Healers are called to discord, the brightest lights are called to the darkest times. We are tasked. With using our gifts and the time we are in now. There will be those who call in and alert others to the flames. There will be those who prepare to go somewhere where it's not on fire. There will be those who protect the most precious parts of ourselves from it. There are others who fight the fire, those who clear the air, and others still who prepare what's been damaged. There will also be even more who stand by and watch, or worse yet, fan the flames when we look at a world on the brink a humanity that feels decidedly less humane and a future so obfuscated by our past it's no wonder we feel the growing anxiety of a crackling flame not far behind us but as bleeding hearts it's important to figure out two things the position we play and the ethic that no one changes anything on their own for most of us who consider ourselves bleeding hearts We've approached things wrong. We treat the fire as if it's ours to put out and ours alone. That kind of fight always ends with us being engulfed in flames. But there's another way for this to play out. A sustainable way that takes effort, strategy, communication, and all of the players. It requires us to start talking to each other, speaking up for ourselves and the community we're building. We fight the fire not with our own hands, but with all hands on deck. We need some to brave the front. We need others to protect the most precious parts of our collective. We need some to signal others to the fire and those who can clear the space for us to start again. We cannot waste time playing all of the parts. It's led to fatigue, distress, infighting, and breaking points that serve no one. We need to talk to each other. We need to fight for each other. We need to relieve one another when it's time to rest and then actually rest. You have the unique ability to smell smoke. You have the innate gift to fight the kind of fire we're up against. That anxiety you feel is because you want to fight but simply don't know where you fit. The imperfect journey to get there begins now, bleeding heart. the world is on fire what are you going to do about it i hope you got something out of today's story time special aka the shorty episode this season of the podcast is all about meeting other firefighters getting clear on the strategies and systems we need to keep fighting and learning when it's time to be relieved and rest so we can fight another day Remember in middle school when you like, like someone, if you got that same vibe today and like, like this podcast, show us some love wherever you listen to your podcasts by liking, subscribing, and leaving a review. Remember bleeding heart wherever you are and whoever you are do good for the justice and always for the joy until next time. Bye.